Welcome to the Real Immunity Podcast, where we'll dig deeper into the concepts from the Real Immunity film series. Learn more at realimmunity.org. Hi everyone, it's Courtney. Thanks for being here. You're really going to enjoy this conversation that I have with Scylla today, um, the theme of which is all about evolution how our thinking evolves over time, how our consciousness evolves. Um, Actually, the conversation itself really sort of evolves in its own beautiful way. We start with talking about current events and how the dynamics around the vaccine are shifting, which leads us to a conversation about how we're evolving from a place of looking outside of ourselves for guidance, you know, depending upon the experts, and how this compares to homeopathy and the evolution of healing and the healing process. So thank you for joining us. Enjoy the interview. And there's been a news report of Paul Offit, who is a very strong advocate of vaccines and he's done vaccine research. He's from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And he made a statement, I don't know if you saw it, Courtney, but that he would not do any of the boosters because they're only tested on, I think, eight mice or rats. And he feels that they aren't thoroughly tested. We don't know the outcomes. And I find it interesting because based on his reluctance, he would be termed an anti-vaxxer at this point. Right. I did see that, which is amazing because before this time he was uh, very much pro-vaccine. So that's, that's an interesting change for him. Right. And I think that, you know, maintaining a dynamic position where we can accept the changes coming down the pike, we can accept uh, what is and staying in the present and recognizing that nothing is chipped in stone. As we've learned from the CDC's recent admission that they kind of got it wrong you can't take anything to the bank these days. You really have to be responsible for doing your research, keeping your ear to the ground, um, understanding what's going on and processing it yourself so that you can come to a decision. And I think that, you know, so much of what's happening is really a call to sovereignty, a call to making these choices on our own. And so many of my clients, Courtney, have been faced with, very difficult choices, very difficult, whether it's uh, profession or, or their religion or their location or their marriages or any number of life-changing decisions. And the, the 60,000 foot view is that we are being called individually to make choices for ourselves and stop looking towards authority. It's, it's becoming an outdated role model that we can't trust completely. And isn't that what we've been learning with the, the kind of crumbling of so many institutions and groups that we formerly held in high regard and respected? And we're seeing these icons have clay feet, right? Right, exactly. And really, there's no other way it could go because based on how the shoddy way things have gone down in the last 
two and a half years, it's just people's eyes are opening, right? It's a really beautiful thing because like you said, it's, that's the lesson is to stop looking outside of yourself and being so um, vulnerable to the ever shifting uh, tides of these quote unquote experts, right? And um, to, to go within, it's driving people to, to go within and to, and to decide for themselves. And, and that's kind of shaky territory too. It's definitely scary. I mean, don't we all want some all knowing, all benevolent individual to tell us exactly what to do with our best interest in mind so we can sleep at night? That's what we all want, right? And it doesn't exist, unfortunately. And, you know, I've seen this in my, my health journey in particular, because it's so easy to want to fall back on some medical individual or some method or some suggestion and take it to the bank and say, this is what, this is what's going to work. This is, this is what I need to do. And I need to follow this. And actually it's a dynamic, ever-changing topography, if I can use that word, because you you take turns, you run into new things, you have new thoughts, you have new realizations. And it's, it's a dynamic process. It's ever-changing. And, you know, this um, dynamicness or dynamism um, is something that homeopathy is very much uh, focused upon. And we see how allopathic medicine is symptom-based it's, it has to do with finding the opposite and then manipulating the physiology. Mm. So, you know, homeopathy looks at the whole person, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, and finds something that would cause all of those symptoms if given it in its material form. And then provides it in a homeopathic form. So really, as um, Harry Vanderzee, Dr. Vanderzee mentioned, it's really an act of love because like treating like is very exact in terms of reflecting back to the person exactly the state that they're in so that that person then has a choice to stay in that state or to move out of that state. And so many people that I treat, they they comment after taking a remedy, I just feel more like myself. I can't really put my finger on it. I just feel more like myself. And this is the goal. This This is healing. So the paradigm that's been built before our eyes, and, you know, I attribute this mostly to media, is the war paradigm. We're going to fight bacteria. We're going to fight germs. We're going to fight this disease. And it's so infantile. It's just, it's not what works. If you had a two-year-old child or let's say a five-year-old child, so they're old enough to reason a little bit and you want them to clean their room, grabbing them by the scruff of the neck and saying, I'm going to fight you till you clean this room is not as effective as if you get down on your knees and start picking up toys with them and saying, let's do it together. This is how I like to clean a room. 
and watch them engage. So, you know, I've a lot to say about this paradigm of, of war and fighting, but basically that's, that's one of the things that's been on my mind a lot lately. Yeah. And um, as a world right now, I guess we're sort of maturing. We're growing up and we're no longer in that stage where, you know, it makes sense uh, to be forced into something. And maybe we've never been in that stage either, but um, I don't feel like there's ever been a time when there's been so much uh, questioning, you know, like people are, are not going along with something and maybe that's um, maybe that's the the way of understanding that we've we're we're maturing and we're ready for um, our advisors and the and the leaders and the quote unquote experts to treat us with that kind of respect that a mature person deserves, you know, that that acknowledges us. Right, you're one hundred percent correct, and you're also illustrating the fact that life evolves and we are constantly expanding and evolving and going through these developmental changes. And what you've illustrated is this, this recent developmental change where we're no longer enamored with this relationship with the all-knowing kind of authority in a white coat or uh, political authority or educational authority we're seeing through that and we're going through this extremely uncomfortable stage like labor. You and I have talked about this before. Um, it's labor. We're birthing a new, a new world and it's painful, confusing, difficult, but we know that something better is coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's almost like, um, you know, you're giving a good homeopathic case taking of what's going on and, um, you know, from my own experience, it's been very similar where you, you will consult with somebody and they give you an initial remedy, but to think that that remedy is going to be the end all be all is really, um, you know, that's, that's not the right thinking. Uh, you actually, I mean, with my own experience, myself and my kid, we move, have moved through so many remedies or, um, so many potencies of a remedy. And so now what we're moving into is a phase where a new, a new remedy, like the, the case is kind of evolving and a new remedy must be selected, right? Right. And that evolution is a result of two things. One, it's the person unfolding. So their vital force feeling comfortable to open up to deeper and deeper vulnerability and also the vision and clarity of the homeopath, because if the homeopath has unmet issues, things they haven't dealt with, they're going to see that case through their own lens. So they, they have to continue to work on themselves in order to see the case clearly without any judgment, without any um, preconceived notions of what's, what's needed in the case. An unbiased observer, that's what Hahnemann said we needed to be. So both of those things are taking place. And in a good homeopathic relationship, there's a bond between client and homeopath, and they're able to go deeper and deeper together. And I can say in almost 20 years of practice with thousands of clients, I've had a few that have one remedy and don't change from that remedy, but it's quite rare. And 
And those individuals are frequently um, someone who has lived a, a very homogenous life, never making many changes, never having many experiences. Um, maybe a mid, in a Midwestern town, they've never left that town. They've had the same uh, relationships, associations their entire life. So there just aren't as many layers to move through, um, but they're few and far between. Usually it, it's a process of different remedies that are that are required and and that's okay and i think that there's a big misconception as you mentioned that there's this one remedy that people have they're constitutional and there's no other remedy and that that's erroneous it just doesn't work like that yeah and and maybe you can talk a little bit about um you know the the original um teachings of, of hahnemann um you know one thing that i've noticed with my own family is that we I don't think I've ever had a homeopath. Maybe I've had once or twice have a homeopath start me on like a 30 C. But for the most part, even my children were started higher, at least 200. And I'm wondering if that's sort of um, typical because of the world we live in now compared to, um, you know, Hahnemann's times. Yeah, in Hahnemann's day, 30 C was considered high potency. So he might have used a lot of 6C, 12C, 9C, but 30 was considered a high potency. And our world has become much more toxic. We're much more burdened with baggage, right? Um, our experiences are the things that we're exposed to. I mean, think about 200 years ago, people didn't move far from their place of birth. That was highly unusual. And now we're all over the world. So definitely um, we need higher potencies. And what I found in my own practice, interestingly, is that I'm calling on 10 M's and 50 M's more than I ever have. Now, maybe that's a result of my own experience, my own evolution as a homeopath and my ability to not be nervous about giving a higher potency, but I'm seeing that these higher potencies work when the lower ones stop working. So um, definitely, we are we are using higher potencies because if you think about it, lots that's going on in the world today is vibrating at a very low frequency. So uh, greed, control, negativity, these are low frequencies and homeopathy is a higher frequency. It's all about the energy. So we need higher and higher frequencies to counterbalance these very, very low frequencies. So it makes sense really. And yeah, that's what we're, what we're seeing. Mm. I definitely feel like the times where constitutionally I've been prescribed a 30, it just, it just is not enough. <laughs> and I sort of saw that as my own, um, my own problem, I guess, like, oh man, you're just way beyond this point, I guess. But, um, well, you shouldn't Courtney, because it's not about strength. You know, right. it's, it's like, it, it's, it's not similar to giving you two Tylenol instead of one, because one doesn't do it. it it's about frequency, really. It's about the level of vibration, the, the, the type of information that's being transmitted. And I do very well on thirties and I do very well on one M's. I do terrible on 200 C's. So, mm. You can, there's a relationship between 30 and, and 1M and then 210M, you can see a relationship between them. So, I mean, posology, which is the, the study of these potencies, 
it's a deep and broad study. It is not a, an hour lesson at all. And we spend a long time trying to wrap our minds around these different potencies and how to dose them. And we find that certain homeopaths, and I think this is in part dependent upon the energy of the homeopath themselves, we find that certain homeopaths do well with certain potencies. I mean, there, there are a couple who are 10M prescribers and they pass out 10Ms all the time. There are others that are low potency prescribers and they'll go under 30C a lot. It, it just depends on what they're comfortable with. Um, so there's LM prescribing and we don't need to get into that in any depth, but it's, it's one to 50,000 dilution. So it's a completely different scale. It's not the C scale. Now it's the Q scale. And that is usually done in liquid. And there's some people that love LMs. They, they absolutely utilize them. I have a very difficult time with LMs. I tried it once I revamped my whole pharmacy. I was going to use LMs on people, got a couple books. And then I felt like, no, this is not working for me and it's not effective and I'm uncomfortable with it. So I abandoned using what LMs. Occasionally I'll throw one in if the case calls for it, but typically I like uh, dry pellets in the, on the C scale, like 30, 200, 1M, 10M and up. And one of the things I like to do with dosing is have someone put a dose in water in a dropper bottle, keep it in the fridge and give themselves either one drop a day or one drop three times a week. Um, there's all different ways to dose. And for me, it's about a sense and feeling like what, what intensity do they need the door to be knocked on? Mm. It, it's, it's really about that vibrational influence. Yeah. So, and then the ability to adjust it, you know, to change it if, if need be. Wow, that is such an amazing concept. And it reminds me of when I was doing a lot of birth work because um, the different midwives would attract, um, you know, patients that would basically create this sort of specialty for them. For instance, like my midwife had um, people that tended to go over their due date and, and my, I mean, quite a bit over. Like I, I, for every one of mine was two weeks over. And at one point she was just like, that's just how it goes for me. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then you'll have others that are, you know, they attract breach or twins or just some, right. Strange, right. You know? And I believe that has a lot to do with the energy of the individual. I, I think that's a real thing because we were taught in school that the type of client coming to you will change throughout your practice and in the beginning you'll get certain you know more sh not shallow but less intense less severe cases less pathological and then as your ability deepens you will get cases that require deeper treatment and that's definitely accurate yeah. so you know I think the energy of the practitioner does play a role in what's happening mm -hmm. So is that, is there a generalization you can um, make with homeopaths that, you know, usually when you first get started, you, you are, you're attracting easier cases, or is that a person by person thing? Like, are there some people that they launch in and they automatically start having these difficult cases and they have to learn to, you know, navigate that? It's hard to say. And I, I think it has to do with the velocity of your practice. Some homeopaths get out of school and they might have a couple clients a month. 
So their learning is at a slower pace. Others will all of a sudden have many clients. um, And I can honestly say that the learning comes from your clinical practice. So when I first got out of school, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on acute cases and like practical homeopathy. The emphasis was on deep constitutional homeopathy. So when I got out of school and I would get an acute case, I'd be digging in constitutionally and trying to understand the case at a deeper level. It was driving me crazy because you can't spend that kind of time on an acute case. You, you need a remedy now. So it was really frustrating. And for the first couple of years I was out of school, I felt like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I just was all over the map. And finally, because of the frequency and intensity, the velocity of these cases coming to me, especially in the winter months, I became more and more accustomed to treating, you know, from the hip, basically, and understanding how to treat acutely in a very different way than treating constitutionally. So, and, and this, you know, I just, I just want to touch on this because there's, there's a movement right now of practical homeopathy and it's been great. It's really brought homeopathy into the homes of many individuals who wouldn't normally be doing it, but there's the misconception that you can use that method to treat constitutionally. So I see, you know, across the Facebook page or in various places, people asking questions like, what's the remedy for dementia or bipolar or psoriasis or these deep chronic cases that you cannot treat in the same way? So it's a a misconception and it's it's leading people to believe that with a little bit of knowledge, you can treat these constitutional cases, which is, is it's just not accurate. So um, it, it's, it's a concern of many classical homeopaths that the, the rise of practical homeopathy has affected people in a way that they're getting themselves painted into a corner. They're getting themselves in trouble homeopathically by trying to treat deep chronic cases with practical methods. Yeah, definitely, definitely um, an issue. And I'm, I see what you're saying too. It's These are the ways that people learn about homeopathy. So practical homeopathy has brought homeopathy to the radar of so many homes and so many people. Uh, but at the same time, there are issues and fallacies with the thinking of that. And I'm wondering, Scylla, if you can just point out some of the problems that can occur with that. Yeah, so what happens if you're trying to treat something that's deeper and more chronic and you're using a method that's more practical and you're dosing frequently, repeatedly, dosing, 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 what you're going to see is uh, an aggravation and approving of that particular remedy. So approving is actually the way that we catalog our remedies into a Materia Medica. And healthy volunteers are given a, a, a low potency remedy repeatedly until they start showing symptoms. And then those symptoms are notated, placed in the Materia Medica under all the different systems, the mind, the kidneys, the bladder, you know, all the different systems with the associated symptoms. 
and that constitutes our materia medica. So if uh, you're, you're trying to find a remedy, you go to the materia medica and you, you see that these particular symptoms are caused by that remedy when given multiple times. So mm -hmm. the downfall is that if you take a remedy in the practical method many, many times repeatedly, you're at risk of proving that remedy and coming up with symptoms instead of alleviating symptoms. And when you take more than one remedy at a time, you can confuse the vital force significantly. So it takes a lot of work to untangle the vital force, settle it down, and really see what the symptom picture is because now you have created false symptoms, not unlike allopathic medicine that gives one drug on top of the next drug on top of the next drug, and they each have side effects and you give another drug for the side effects. This is what can happen when you're giving multiple homeopathic remedies. Yes, yes. And just from my own experience, there can be like a suppression of symptoms. I was going along, going along, and I think at one point I had five, <laughs> five remedies, I'm ashamed to say, at one time until I kind of came to my senses. Um, but once I stopped taking the remedies, things full force kind of came back. And um, then I really had to seek the help of a um, constitutional homeopath. And um, so it's sort of like, while I thought that I was going along and doing really well, I actually feel like I um, may have hindered my vital force rather than helped it, you know? Right. You were suppressing. You were just yes. suppressing, which is exactly what uh, allopathic medicine can, can do sometimes. So, yeah. So you learned that lesson graphically through your own experience. And luckily you emerged from it. You came out of it and you were able to untangle things. But I've seen cases that are so tangled that it's really difficult to get them out of it. Mm -hmm. So, How long do you, would you say in that kind of a situation, if, if someone came to you and they had been under, you know, they were taking five remedies and decided to move to constitutional care, how long would they be, needing to look at, you know, consulting for like, what, what's the outlook? Yeah. Well, I typically tell people if they can give the process six months, 90% of my clients see change in six months. Now that's contingent upon a couple of variables. First of all, they have to unlearn what they think they just learned because they're under the impression that you have a symptom, you take a remedy, you get rid of the symptom. That, that's what uh, taking so many remedies has indicated to them, and that's not accurate. So that unlearning process can take time. They have to be willing to unlearn it and understand how deeper homeopathy really works. But I usually tell them, give it six months with an initial intake and two or three follow-ups. Sometimes it'll take a follow-up each month for those six months. And other times it'll just take one or two because they're doing really well on a constitutional remedy. But these are the variables that, that play into it. And then also the openness of the individual to relearn what they thought they learned 
and to understand that it's not about just chasing symptoms with the remedy. That's not what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And six months seems legitimate, especially if you're willing to look at subtle changes, because that's what it's all about, right? Um, Being able to see the subtle shifts in healing. Right. It is subtle. And, you know, I've seen changes. I, I remember the first remedy I got when I went to a homeopath, I'd never done homeopathy. I was just learning about it. I was given a dose of, I think, 200 C of something. And I went back for the follow-up thinking, no, I don't think there's much change. I, I was not impressed and I let it go. But what happened is slowly, I just felt these internal shifts taking place. And ultimately I moved a thousand miles, went back to school to study homeopathy. My entire life changed. So I really attribute it to kind of waking me up and opening me up in in a way that allowed me to move in a different direction. And then another case that I had, a fascinating case where a young woman came to me and was having trouble keeping a pregnancy. She was miscarrying late in her pregnancy. And I found a remedy that, you know, sometimes we're more sure than other times of a remedy choice. And this one was dead on. I was certain of this remedy. It fit her so well. Gave her the remedy. I didn't see her again. There was no follow-up. You know, she didn't, she didn't come back. A year later, I saw her with a baby and I was like, oh, that's so great. You got pregnant and you delivered. And she said, oh yeah, I started taking vitamins. And this can be a common misperception because it is subtle and they don't feel it, but all things work together. And she took that remedy and then maybe chose to take some different types of supplements or maybe chose to shift her thinking or change relationships or who who knows how far reaching. If we'd had a follow-up, that's what I would have inquired into, but I didn't have the chance, but I, you know, maybe, maybe this is, um, what's it called? Bias where I, you know, I believe it was the remedy that changed things because that's a dramatic change. She'd had like three or four miscarriages in the second trimester. She couldn't carry a pregnancy past the first trimester. And I gave her a remedy that fit and boom, it, you know, next thing she, she did. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think sometimes we overlook these really subtle Things, right. but that's exactly how homeopathy works. It right. works in such a subtle, subtle very way. subtle, very yeah. subtle. So it, it requires kind of a, a a sensitivity to the subtleties of life and an appreciation for the subtleties. Yes. Yes. What's what I think I've noticed personally too, though, is that by taking homeopathy, especially in this very infrequent sort of constitutional way, I developed that awareness to the subtle movements of energy. Right. You know, that was very um, helpful for me because I was very much wanting to see what changes were happening. And um, I even had like a, um, a, a relationship change that was, that's interesting. And I guess, like you said, you could, uh, you could blame it on any number of factors, but um, I had a relationship that really was just at, in a terrible, terrible place. And um soon after, I mean, it was, it was like within about six weeks of taking a new remedy, suddenly this relationship for that for many years was not great changed. And the person who I was in this relationship with is the one that sort of 
was able to um, <clears throat> see things differently. And I think it must have been really something about my energy that right. made me more receptive. And um, I always thought, wow, that is that is so neat. And so many people would probably overlook something like that. And I certainly would have too. But um, I had to go back to the only thing different really was that I was you know, I have started this remedy and was open to some more things or, you know, maybe in the other remedies, it's like, oh, it's suddenly easier for me to meditate, you know, but little things like that, that sort of shift. It's mm -hmm. yeah, subtle. Well, yeah. you're absolutely right, Courtney, because I've had so many clients who come in with certain issues that involve other people, you know, a spouse, a child, a relative, whatever, a friend, and then they come back after taking the remedy and they report that, well, my husband's much nicer or my, my, my friend invited me to do something. And, you know, <laughs> they, yeah. they report the changes in other people. Oh, but what we know is homeopaths, we outpicture our state. So everything in our world is really a reflection of our inner state. So of course, the people around you are going to change when you change. That's just goes without saying. And it's, it's nice to watch. And then the other, the other thing is when a family comes in and the whole family gets on different remedies, whoa, that's just, it's cataclysmic. You see all these churning changes that start to take place and people need wow. to be ready for that and aware of that. Um, but many people will not attribute. They'll come back and say, oh, no, I don't need to come back because my husband's better now or <laughs> the therapy or, you know, whatever changes took place. So it's, it's interesting to see. Yes. Yes. I think that also is a testament to needing to, um, you know, if you're going to start on homeopathy or any healing regimen, you know, really take the time to do that, really commit to, to that, you know, like be a, be a good patient and, um, you know, don't just think it's going to work in the background somewhere and you're not really going to be a part of it, but really just keep a journal or keep notes or just really pay attention because some of the subtle things, I mean, they're actually not subtle when you really think about it. And it's like, wow, my, my life is really, really changed. And then over the course of six months, like you said, said, my goodness, that could be an incredibly different person on the other end of that, you know, and then I've been with, um, people for you know going on two years and that's that's quite a relationship you establish and you really get into a groove with the homeopath at that point and I feel like there's a dynamic relationship that happens and just some amazing healing like at that point I feel like the healing's even less subtle like you really get some good changes when you stay with it with a homeopath so I don't think people are usually wanting to commit to that much time though well, and you bring up a good point that the commitment, it involves trust, a lot of trust. And when you do trust someone and can work together, you can go to a deeper place. Yeah. So yeah, beautiful. So Courtney, you and I could talk all day. I know because we both think along the same lines and stimulate each other's thinking, but I think that might be a good place to, to come to a close and just summarize that homeopathy is not about fighting a symptom, fighting anything. And just like it's reflecting what's in the world today, we need to approach it with love, with understanding, with sensitivity, and be willing to sense the very subtle changes uh, going forward. So I think that's 
you know, homeopathy, in my estimation, Courtney, is the medicine of the future. It's a full system of medicine. It's deep. It's curative. And we're seeing it blossom. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for talking today, Sol. Thanks, Courtney.